Well, we are starting a brand new series. The title is First Fruits. First Fruits. And that lets you know right away that we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic in the whole world, which is giving. Yes, that's the reaction I expected. Giving. Um, Chances are, if you've been in church world for a while, uh, at some point you were at a church or worship setting where the person up here like me uh, talked about the very same thing. And maybe, hopefully, hopefully you had some good experience with that, but maybe you had a bad experience where you felt pressured and you felt uh, maybe that you were the recipient of a guilt trip. That's possible. Unfortunately, it can be done that way, and and it happens that way far too often, where you feel like you're talking to um, a used car salesman or something with this high-pressure sell of why you need to give your money. And uh, that can can leave a bad taste in just about anybody's mouth. Um, Giving is one of those topics and subjects that automatically makes people feel a little uncomfortable, a little uneasy. And there's different ways of viewing giving, too, that different people have. And, you know, one person may, may look at it one way and another person an entirely different. And there's debate on should you give, when you give to the Lord, when you give your tithes and your offerings, should you do so from your gross or your net? That's a constant debate. Constant debate. Uh, there's questions on both sides of that. And there's all sorts of, of different dynamics that are at work when we talk about money and, and how that relates to the church and our worship and giving. But it's an important thing to talk about. Jesus actually spent more time addressing finances and treasure and money and proper use of that than he, he did talking about heaven or hell. So it's a, it's a big deal. He knew what you and I know, which is that money is always, while we're here on this earth and in this life, it is always going to be a huge, huge part of our life. And it makes sense then that we would understand the proper perspective of it and that we would develop the right heart toward giving of the resources that we have, whether that's small or great. So what I want to do throughout this series, as we talk about giving, is to have us all come to the place of viewing our, our giving and our financial stewardship through the lens of first fruits. First fruits. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Now, the first fruits, we don't go around talking about that a lot. You know, that's not part of our vocabulary. We use the phrase tithes. We use the phrase offerings. But what we do in that, what we just did, really does have its root in this concept, the first fruits. And it showed up really in the Bible a lot earlier than Proverbs 3.9. That was by no means the first time that that was introduced You see it at the very beginning of the Bible with Cain and with Abel, where Abel brought a gift before the Lord and Cain brought a gift before the Lord and God delighted in and accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's and we're told the reason for that is because Abel's offering was his first. It was the first and best of his produce, which was a lamb. 
It wasn't because it was a lamb versus fruits or vegetables from Cain. That's not what it was about. It was about the degree of what was given. Abel gave the first and the best to God, gave the first fruits of his increase, and Cain didn't. We see it after Abel and Cain. We see it in in Abraham and, and all through the Bible, long before it was ever actually set up as a law or an ordinance or a command for Israel to observe. So I want us to talk about what the first fruits is all about, what the point of it is, and, and what that looks like for us, what happens for us when we observe first fruits in our heart, in our mind, in our giving. Because we're not under the law. We don't have a set uh, specific date on the calendar when we come and bring first fruits before God, and it's this big holiday, big event like it was for Israel. We don't do that. They did. When Moses was leading Israel, and after they were to go into the promised land, there was a a time set up, a specific date. It was actually, according to our calendar, 1st of April, April Fool's. For them, it was Nisan 16. And they set up an actual time where they gave first fruits offering. That was an ordinance that, that Moses commanded the people to observe when they got into the land to commemorate all that had happened for them. God bringing them out of slavery from Egypt. God providing for them through the wilderness. God leading them into this new promised land where they would have all kinds of blessings and provision. It was set up so that they wouldn't forget his faithfulness and so that they would honor his faithfulness. Well, we don't do that. In fact, we're not even commanded in the New Testament to give at all. Now, the picture is there, the principle is there, the pattern is certainly there, and it's something we should do, but we don't have the the law over us. We've been set free from the constraints and the pressure of the law. We've been given freedom, but that doesn't mean that we don't give, and that doesn't mean we don't honor the Lord with our gifts and our offerings. In fact, the freedom that we have, because we're not tied to any specific amount or specific event to give those offerings, because we're free, it actually gives us freedom to go above and beyond even the tenth that the tithe literally means that was set up through the law. It it allows us to go above and beyond the event known as first fruits offering. We're free to do that as the Lord would lead us, and I pray that he does. So, What I want this series to be, my hope, is that it doesn't come across that I'm wanting something from you. It would be easy to do that because, hey, I'm a pastor and I see what our finances are like every single week and I know what our expenses are and I know what our our ministries that we have, I know what they call for by way of financial contribution. I know of the ministries we'd love to see getting started. And unfortunately, we live in a world where all that requires moolah. You know, that's just the reality. I mean, we live in a world where currency is something we we have to depend on. So it would be very easy for me to kind of give you that spill. Like, like I I want more money from you so that we can do all these great things. And and I need you to give more. I need you to give more, church. I need you to get behind uh, this. And I could could be all motivational and, and I could try to lay it on real thick. But that's not... That's not my goal. 
yeah, we, we need an increase in, in finances. That's, uh, there's no getting around that. If those of you who look, you, you see it every week on the back of your bulletin. We report where our giving is every single week so that you know. And you see right there that according to what our current budget is, yeah, we're, we're under that. We're short of that. No hiding it. No need to hide it. It is what it is. But more than wanting something from you in this series, listen, I want something for you. I want something for you through this series. I want, I want God to do a work in your heart that you invite him to do, that you are open for him to, to do, so that in your heart and mind you really grasp what it means to give to the Lord, what that really means and what that involves. I want you to, to understand why we do that, why that should be a priority. And I want you to understand what he has promised to do in his faithfulness and his goodness when we do give from a joyful, sincere heart. When, when we look at it as our worship and we give to him what he is due, which is worship in every part of our lives. Not just the finances, every part of our lives, but including finances. When we, when we honor him and worship him through our giving, and when we do it in the right spirit, which will mirror the concept of the first fruits, honoring God with our first before anything else. When we do that, what that does in our hearts, what that does in our minds, what that does for our lives, and what God himself has promised to do in response is just so amazing and so beautiful and so profound that that is what I want for you. I don't want you to miss that. That's what I want for you through this series. Let's pray before we go any farther. Father, we're going to be talking about a subject for the next few weeks that might be a little uncomfortable for some. It's certainly something that's easy to misinterpret or misunderstand. Certainly, there are times where this concept or these principles can be communicated in a way that is not accurate or is not biblical. So, Father, I pray for all of us. I pray that you would guard our hearts against misunderstanding. I pray that you would guard me against being a source of misunderstanding. I pray that in all that we consider and all that we talk about, all that we look at, that you would keep us rooted in your word, in its objective truth, in its relevance. And I pray that your spirit would be the teacher that he promised to be, the spirit of truth, to guide us into all truth, all truth, including truth about our responsibility and our privilege of giving to you, to your kingdom, to your work, and in the context for us of the church. So, Father, please guide us and direct us and give wisdom and, and speak to each individual. Speak to us and lead us personally. Help us to apply the truth of your word as it relates to this concept of first fruits. And may we all be better for it, I pray. It's in Jesus' name that I ask. Amen. A few years ago, the uh, then, at the time, the running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, 
who is now with the Buffalo Bills, LaShawn McCoy. Uh, he made headlines and, and got a lot of notice. It wasn't good notice for a tip that he left at a local restaurant. Uh, it's worth noting that he uh, had just signed a brand new five-year playing contract worth $45 million. So he wasn't hurting for cash. $45 million contract, five years. And uh, kind of connected to that, he was out celebrating with some of his teammates and friends, and they went to a restaurant, and at the end of that, he did what we all do. We decide, okay, what are we going to leave for tip? And you'd think, all right, he's happy, he's excited, he's celebrating, he's got all kinds of money, disposable income. You'd, you'd think, at least I would, that it'd be like this major tip. He would make this hostess's day, and he would get in the news for how generous he was. If he was smart, that's what he would have done, right? Let me, let me hear a guess from you as to how much you think the tip was that he left that day. And, and if you already know, don't answer, okay? I want somebody just to guess. Five dollars? I feel like I'm at an auction. I hear five, I hear five. Let me hear something else. Let me hear five. You know, a penny, did you say? Close. Someone else. Give me another figure. A dollar? Okay. You guys are pretty, pretty close in the ballpark. Twenty cents. Left a twenty cent tip. And the hostess, as she looks at this, she doesn't care who it is. I mean, that kind of amplified the, the bad uh, tip, but you know, she would have been upset anyway. So she showed her boss, her manager, the tip, and he saw who it was that, that filled that out, and he remembers seeing this player. So he posted it on social media, and he called the, the media outlets, and they went crazy with it. And so he was asked about it. He was cornered. And they said, all right, so, so tell us, why did you only leave a 20-cent tip shortly after getting a $45 million playing contract? His answer was, because the waiter was being rude and disrespectful to me. Now, before you uh, judge this person too harshly, um, think about your own experience. Think about the times where you've been maybe at a low point. You've been tired, you've been stressed, you've been upset, you've been hungry, and you've waited and waited and waited for whatever meal you ordered, and it didn't come, and it didn't come, and then when it did come, it was cold, or it was wrong, and you had to send it back. Think about times like that in your life. It's happened. I know it has. It's happened to me. One time, my wife and I went to this great, great <laughs> uh, restaurant that we had heard all about. We went with some friends. And it was a whole experience at this particular location, which I will not name. And we were all excited. And we, we sat down and we ordered and, and we, were, we were ready. I mean, we were hungry and the food sounded good. We'd heard so much about it. It was hyped up and it took forever for the food to come. And when it came, mine was cold Hers or one of the other couple, I can't remember, someone else's was totally wrong, so we had to send it back again. And long story short, I didn't want to leave a tip at all. I was just like, no, we're not leaving a tip. And she's like, you have to leave a tip. I said, no, I don't have to leave a tip. You have to leave something. Well, how many times have you been tempted to, to just not do that? Or how many times, don't raise your hand, have you 
not left a tip. You're like, I'm not leaving a tip for that. They didn't do anything. In fact, all they did was make it worse. So, I mean, we can see it, humanly speaking, we can see where this guy would have gotten to that point, right? I mean, doesn't excuse it. It was terrible, but we can understand a little bit of what brought him to that point. And the thing is, when it comes to our gifts and our offerings as the church, many, many times, all too often, that is kind of how we approach giving in the church. It's, it's easy to do. Uh, we approach sometimes tithing and giving and offering we approach it like we do tipping. Uh, that can mean just in concept, we, we view uh, giving as whatever change I've got in my pocket, you know, whatever couple bills I've got in my wallet, yeah, I'll put that in there, but we haven't thought about it ahead of time. We haven't actually prayed about what God would have us give. We haven't given some intentional thought or strategy about it. It's just something we, we kind of just randomly do as we have some change on us, so we view it kind of like a tip in that context. Or maybe, even in a, in a more negative way than that, maybe at some point you have thought, well, I didn't like what I heard said, I didn't like the music, um, I didn't like what someone said to me, I don't like the, the way I was made to feel, so, you know, I, I'm just not going to give. You know, it's like we, we can equate our responsibility for tithing and for our offering and giving in the church, we can equate it with how we view the level of tip that someone gets in a restaurant. We, you know, when we look at tipping, sometimes we will make the tip match what we view the quality of the service was. And again, that's not right either. And that's what this guy did. And he, he got called on it. But... Sometimes that's exactly how we approach the concept of tithing. I've actually had conversations with people in different ministries where someone came into my office and they were talking about tithing and about giving, and um, it was a particularly blessed individual, and um, they came in and they said, I bet you guys have been wondering why I haven't been giving. And I was like, no, not really. It's not really any of our business. You know, we don't know who gives what. We don't see who gives what. And they're like, yeah, but, but you know I'm a, I'm a big giver. I'm like, I don't know what you want from me here. You know, what do you want me to say? And they said, well, I want you to know the reason that, that I haven't been giving, and I don't know that that's going to change, is because of... And they listed all these reasons why... They weren't giving because of what they viewed. And really what they were saying was the level of experience wasn't matching what they had become accustomed to or what they were expecting. And you might think, oh, that's terrible. That's awful. I would never do that. Really? You sure? You sure? Because we're all humans and we're all able, whether we've been a Christian that's walked with the Lord for decades, we're all able to get into the flesh really easily, really quickly and we can view what should be worship to an amazing God, the ultimate giver. We can view our act of worship 
as something other than that. And we can make it something other than that. We can turn it into something that it's never supposed to be, which is kind of like how we view a tip. And that's not at all how it's supposed to be. Tithing is not tipping. Tithing is not tipping. It's not at all how it's supposed to be. It doesn't, it doesn't fall into that category whatsoever. Our tithing, church, in 2018, our tithing, the, that act, the putting something in the offering plate or going online and making your, your contribution that way, what should happen, what should be true of that act is that it should mirror, it should be a, a picture of or a, a reflection of the Old Testament principle of first fruits, of the first fruits offering, the first fruits gift. When, as we see with Abel, when he brought his gift before the Lord and it was the first and the best of his flock. When we see Abraham willing to give Isaac his, his only son, certainly what he would view as the best gift God had given him. When he was willing to give it before God when God asked for it. When Israel was commanded, when you go in and, and you conquer the cities and the, the different peoples that you're going to overcome, that I will give you victory over, you're to take whatever you find and you're to give it to the Lord as a first fruits offering. And on and on we see it in the Bible that the point of first fruits was to say to God, you are our greatest gift and you are worthy of all things. And to show that and to honor you in that and to show our, our, our worship to you and who and what you are and to keep us from, from turning away from you, we're giving you the first and the best, the, the most choice thing that we have here, we're giving to you. That was the whole point of first fruits and that is the mindset that should take place as we give today. So what happens when we go about things that way? When we offer our gifts that way? When we tithe in that mindset and in that heart? What, what happens and what's the point of giving in this way? What was the point for first fruits offering? Well, when we give that way and when the people in the Old Testament gave in that manner, it does something. It helps us to remember God's grace and provision. It helps us to remember God's grace and provision. That's what giving to God first does. That's what giving God our best does. It helps us to remember God's grace and provision. Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 gives us kind of the background and, and the purpose for why Israel was to give the first fruits offering to God. Here's what it says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you. This is Moses giving instruction to the nation of Israel. He knew that he wasn't going to be with them. He wasn't going to be allowed to go into the promised land. So he said, when you go, I know this is going to happen. God's going to be faithful. God's going to uphold his word and his promise. He's going to take you into the promised land. When that happens, you need to know this. When he brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, 
cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. See, the the propensity is always to forget. That's always our potential. We're very forgetful people, especially when it comes to the blessing of God and his goodness. We, we're just like Israel. We forget. Something happens. God does something great in our lives. God gives us something. We're, we're all full of praise and we're all full of thanks. And then we go on from there and it's like, oh man, I, I wish God just did this or God did that or why God aren't you doing this or why aren't you doing that? And we become bitter all over again and we forget his goodness and we forget his blessing and we grumble and we complain and we want more and more and more. We're just like Israel. And so the first fruits offering was a guard against that happening and ensured that they remembered God's grace and provision. And for us, for us, we have so much to remember, to praise God for. We have so many examples of his grace and his provision to remember. Far, far beyond any physical provision. Far beyond any financial blessing. I mean, I'm talking about what we have spiritually from God that by rights we should never have. You know, in Ephesians 2, uh, we're told very clearly that we were dead in our trespasses. We were told that we were enemies of God. That there was nothing in us that should make God want us for himself. We had nothing intrinsically of value. All that we had before him was offense and rebellion. We were his enemies and we were spiritual corpses before him. Rotting, stinking, full of sin, useless to him. But Ephesians 2 tells us, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that he raised us up with his son, even while we were dead in trespasses. He raised us up with his son. He gave us new life and he seated us with him, with Jesus in the place of honor in heaven. We have an eternity's worth of blessing and provision and riches and honor that should not be ours. The very least we can do then is with the physical blessings and provisions that we have, we can say to God, you are the superior gift. And I'm acknowledging that and I'm reminding myself of that. So before anything else is taken out of my increase, before I... I give my resources to anyone or anything else before any of that happens. God, I'm giving you the first and the best. When we do that, when we do that, when we give God our first and best, he will bless the rest. That's what happens all the time. We see that throughout the Bible over and over and over. And if you, in your life at any point, have followed this pattern where you have with a sincere heart you've given God the first and the best of your increase and of your blessing you've done that then you can say you would have to say yeah I agree with that I've seen that in my life I've seen those times where I in faith give to God the first and the best even though things were tight even though we didn't have a lot left over even though I didn't know where the next check was going to come or when it was going to come. And I had all these things around me, but I decided that I was giving God the first and the best. And I, I was faithful to that. You will be able to tell me 
what I could tell you, which is time and time and time again, example after example of where God did this, where he honored the fact that the first and the best was given, and then he, he blessed the rest. He did it. That doesn't mean, by that I don't mean that you're going to automatically become like this millionaire. That's not what I'm saying. When you hear that, that's fallacy. That's lie. That's not what God promises to do. What God promises to do is to provide you what He knows you need. And what He desires to give you, not so that you can inflate yourself, but so that you can then turn and be a blessing to others. But the point is, when we give God our first and our best, He will bless the rest of what we have. The rest of our provisions, the rest of our blessings, the rest of our resources. He'll do that. Proverbs 3.10 is the result of what we're told to do in Proverbs 3.9. We're told to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, Proverbs 3.9. Proverbs 3.10 is this amazing promise, the result of that says this, then, when we do that, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. In other words, you're going to be taken care of. You're going to have what you need. You're going to have provision and you will be blessed by God. He doesn't have to, but he's just that good. Don't think, oh, well, when I give God my first and best, He is obligated then to bless the rest. That's not what I'm saying at all. Again, that's something that you will hear. It's a popular message, but it's a lie from the enemy. God is not obligated to do a single thing for us. It's just in his goodness and in his grace and in his, his faithfulness and his mercy and his incredible love, he said, if you do this for me, you honor me this way, and I will, I will provide for you. Malachi 3.10 tells us the same thing. That God says, test me in this. Go ahead, test me and try me. Bring the whole tithe into my house and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that you, you can't even comprehend it. So there is a promise, but it's a promise not out of obligation. It's a promise out of grace. First fruits. It's an important concept, and it's seen over and over and over, all throughout the Bible. And even though we're under no obligation to do it, we do have, in light of all that we've been given, far beyond physically, but spiritually, we do have a responsibility to honor God in the same way. I want you to watch this clip that really summarizes very well the concept of first fruits. Two men bring an offering to the Lord, one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. 
Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the Promised Land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac, faith that God blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. The gift of his son came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. That's what it's about. Uh, that's, that's the importance of of the first fruits offering. And we need to remember with this, we need to remember that wealth is not required. Wealth is not required. In Mark 12, 41 through 44, we see an amazing picture of this fact. It's beautiful. There's this individual woman and she's giving uh, and, and it's, a, it's a big deal for her to give. The word tells us this, and he, speaking of Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contribute out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So for the individual giver, wealth is not required. You don't give just because you have so much left over to give or because you are so able to give. That's not what we're called to do. That's not what we're called to have as a perspective. God will bless what is given out of little sources of income in some ways, sometimes, maybe more than what is given out of plentiful. We see the same thing with 
the corporate type of giving, the church giving. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, there's a model church that Paul points to as an example of, of people who got it right, who had the right heart when it came to giving. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. You see that together? Abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. They weren't pressured. They weren't forced of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, there's this poor, poor church and they were very poor. They had very little to spare. And in spite of that, when the church in Jerusalem was in dire straits, which Paul was collecting for, they said, please, please let us give. We, we really want to be part of what God is going to do here. Please let us, let us give. And the answer could have been, but hey, guys, you don't have much to spare. You, you need to take care of yourself. That would be understandable. Hey, we appreciate it, but don't feel obligated. There's no pressure here. You, just, you, you see to yourselves. You've got enough to worry about. And they said, no, 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 please, please don't, don't keep us from being able to contribute. Don't rob us from the blessing of being able to give to the Lord and let him use that. What a mindset. See, wealth is not required. And then a good summary passage for both of those examples and the concept behind them is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In other words, He will make sure that He frees you from being so chained to worry about where you're going to get the next whatever. Uh, if, you, if you give to him and honor him with what he's given you, he's going to take care of you and you're not going to be overcome with worry and anxiety from it. What this all means is that giving and and this concept is not one size fits all. It's not like there's just this one standard that everybody has to meet and if you don't meet it, oh well, you're not going to get blessed by God. That's not what this is about at all. It's what God has given you, what you have the means to do and what you have been led by him to do in your heart. It's a decision of the heart. And then in all of this, as you saw in the video just a minute ago, our ultimate example is found in Jesus himself. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, unimaginably so, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. We will never be given more than what we've been given through Jesus Christ. And our response to that needs to be, I give you myself, every part of me, and a physical, visible way I'm going to do that to remind myself and to to honor you is to give to you physically 
the first and the best. Okay? We're going to continue on throughout the next few weeks unpacking this a little bit more and showing some different applications. And I pray God uses it in all of our hearts and minds. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your gifts to us. First of all, with salvation. And then beyond that, with everything that we have from you daily. Thank you for your goodness and your amazing grace. Help us to honor you with everything we are. In Jesus' name, amen.